0: This is Isabel in San Dimas, Conversations with Neighbors. This is a podcast to spark conversations among neighbors about happenings in and around San Dimas. I am Isabel in San Dimas, and I'm happy to be one of your neighbors. Today, I want to talk about an issue that is coming up before the City Council and Planning Commission in a joint meeting on Tuesday, October 13th at 5 o'clock. And this has to do with the issue of grading in Via Verde. What is grading, you ask? It's basically like excavating or flattening parts of the land or hillside so that uh, development can be placed there, essentially. To give you a little bit of background, the city has specific plans which have to do with zoning and development for particular areas in the city. For example, you might remember my podcast earlier this year about Specific Plan 23, which had to do with uh, three industrial lots in the downtown area of San Dimas adjacent to our historic downtown core and residential neighborhoods. So this specific plan was zoned uh, because those properties are unique in that special area. Today, we're going to be talking about SP 11 or specific plan 11, which pertains to the area that is considered Via Verde Ridge HOA. And this area spans from Puente to Covina Hills Road and then from Via Verde to the city of Covina limits. Now, SP-11 was established in 1983, and the purpose of SP-11, according to the city documents, which I'll read verbatim, are one, to minimize the alteration of significant natural landforms, two, minimize the impact of new development into the surrounding viewshed, three, and I'm going to cut this one down a little bit, Utilize current practices of good design and hillside land planning to preserve, enhance, and promote the existing and future appearance and resources of hillside areas. And four, provide alternate approaches in hillside areas to conventional flatland development practices. So in other words... Basically, SP11 was created to protect the natural environment and the contours of the land of the hills in Via Verde. Is also meant to protect the aesthetics of the hillsides and encourage development that matches the topography or the hilliness of the land. In doing my research for this episode, I spoke to a number of different residents around San Dimas, in particular a few of the HOA members of Via Verde Ridge HOA. This includes the HOA president, Mr. Gary Enderly, and Mr. Zach Dickmason, who is on the architectural design committee. And what I learned in speaking with them was that SP-11 was basically meant to be a compromise at the time. So there were people who lived in the hills who wanted to develop their land into, you know, Do great things, build their buildings, uh, you know, this is their property. And then on the other hand, there were people in the community, uh, not necessarily who lived in Via Verde, but people who wanted to preserve the hillside. And so SP 11 was essentially a compromise between all the various groups far and wide across the city. And it allowed for some development, but it also allowed for some preservation. And The entire city had input in this process, and that was the decision that everyone came up with was SP-11, which wanted to protect the hillsides uh, while also allowing some development, but not a free-for-all. With the creation of SP-11 back in the 80s, all the way through the present, this essentially allowed for homes to be built on the hillsides with an additional 200 cubic yards for grading to increase the size of their usable lot and yard. And now this 200 cubic yards does not include a deck, pool, or attached ADU. So what does that mean? That means that People who want to develop in this specific plan in Via Verde can build their home. They can build a deck and a pool and an attached uh, ADU, which is an accessory dwelling unit, kind of like a granny flat, something like that. And then they can do an additional 200 cubic yards for extra stuff, whether it's a tennis court or just a large yard. Uh, Those are the rules in place. And so that brings me to the issue that's coming up at the council meeting on October 13th. Uh, According to city staff at a council meeting on July 14th, the city initiated a municipal code text amendment to explore the possibility of unlimited grading based on the suggestion of one resident by the name of John Begin. Unlimited grading means that there would be no limits on grading. So instead of that 200 cubic yards to uh, increase the size of the usable lot, uh, people in this area can grade or remove as much of the hillside as they want. Now, in a public email to the city council, Mr. Begin essentially made the argument that having these grading limits have prevented all of the properties in this area from being developed. Currently, there are several properties in this area that haven't been developed, and uh, it sounds like he believes that if the grading limits were more generous, that that would not be an issue anymore. On the other hand, uh, folks in the HOA that I talked to said that they've spoken to some of those property owners who haven't developed. And those property owners have stated that grading has not been a deterrent to them developing. And the vast majority of other homes in the HOA have been developed uh, even with the current grading limits in place. So there's a little bit of uh, back and forth as far as what the arguments are among the different residents. So on September 22nd, The city staff offered the Council and Planning Commission four options to consider. Option one, they can leave the current regulations in place. That would be the most restrictive option, and it would mean that property owners could only grade up to 200 cubic yards. Option two was the least restrictive, which would allow for unlimited grading of the properties. Options three and four are kind of middle ground options. Option three allows for grading based on a percentage of buildable area. For example, they might say, okay, you can grade up to 2% of the property. That would make each property a little bit different as far as what the grading allowances would be. And lastly, option four would be to increase the amount to an appropriate quantity. So maybe 200 cubic yards isn't enough. The city could raise that to 500 cubic yards, for example. So now I just want to review some of the arguments again for and against the uh, changes in the grading limits. So the arguments that have been brought up for increasing the grading to unlimited uh, during the council discussion, some of the council members brought up the idea of property owners' rights and basically saying that by placing limitations on how much, uh, how many cubic yards can be graded, the city is hindering the rights of the property owners. And as I said earlier, Mr. Begin's argument was that uh, the grading limitations are a hindrance to uh, property owners developing their property. Otherwise, all of those lots would have homes on them already, which clearly they do not. And to be honest, I've spoken to some of my friends who are Via Verde residents, and they've kind of echoed that. They've shared that you know, when looking for a property, sometimes the hills on the properties are so steep that they're difficult to work with and make a real buildable space. So there is some validity to that argument. On the other hand, I've also spoken to residents who have some thoughts as far as why grading should not be increased. These have to do with the aesthetics of the community, uh, the environmental impact like displacing wildlife and trees, and these are all things uh, that the city ought to consider. Additionally, in the uh, packet agenda for the council meeting, is a letter from the HOA, and I want to kind of explain that a little bit more thoroughly, and there will be a link on my website at com slash grading. So the letter from the HOA's attorney uh, cites some case law that explains the following ideas. One, an HOA is responsible for the aesthetics and the character of the community. That's essentially the purpose of an HOA. And by changing SP-11, that would kind of undermine the intent behind why it was developed in the first place. It would, according to the letter, quote, deteriorate the existence of natural landforms and vegetation. And similarly, um, the HOA president who I spoke with said that, He really believes that the city ought to honor the compromise that was made among all residents when SP-11 was created in the 1980s, uh, and that was meant to protect the area from overdevelopment. Another argument from the HOA's attorney says that essentially, according to various laws and court cases, that HOA regulations will supersede whatever decision that the city comes to. For example, if the city says that residents in the area can grade more like 500 cubic yards or have unlimited grading, those residents are still going to be restricted by the HOA guidelines. So if the HOA guidelines have a limit of 200 cubic yards, which they do, uh, The resident would have to go through the HOA first and uh, request approval from the HOA before even going to the city. So it doesn't matter if the city allows for more grading because if the HOA doesn't, uh, the HOA at the end of the day has the final decision. And something really interesting about this point is that the attorney points out that if the city decides to make more lenient guidelines, and the HOA remains with their restrictive guidelines, which the HOA is planning to do, then that opens the HOA up to a potential lawsuit where a resident might say, hey, the city's letting me do this. Why don't you, the HOA, let me do this? And then a resident might feel compelled to litigate with their HOA. And the HOA in this situation is concerned that if the city moves forward with changing their regulations, that this would essentially create an adverse relationship among the city, the HOA, and residents. And the last main concern that was brought up in the HOA uh, had to do with an ethical issue at play. And I'm just going to read directly from the letter. It says, Mr. Begins Construction Company, J.B. Contractors Incorporated, made a substantial campaign contribution to Councilmember Eric Weber. According to the California Form 460 Schedule A on January 21, 2020, J.B. Contractors Incorporated contributed $2,500 to Councilmember Weber's 2020 campaign. Therefore, to avoid the appearance of impropriety, Councilmember Weber should recuse himself from participating in the discussion of this matter. Now, I also remember seeing this information in a Daily Bulletin article back in February or March during the campaign, and I'll link to that on my website. And campaign finances, just so everyone knows, is... Uh, public record information. And there's actually a city website where you can go on and take a look at how much anyone has contributed to any of the city council members' local races. Uh, I think over $100, I believe. And so I can also link to that on the website. And so basically what the attorney is saying here is that Mr. Begin has made a large contribution to Councilmember Weber's campaign, and uh, he should recuse himself from this decision. Otherwise, it looks like a very ethically questionable move on Mr. Weber's part. I also reached out to Councilmember Weber to get his perspective, and he declined to comment on the record for this episode. I'd also like to add that in the council meeting on July 14th, when this whole issue was first brought up, the uh, city attorney responded to a caller's question about this issue, and the city attorney said campaign contributions do not result in a conflict of interest that would require council member Weber to recuse himself. However. Mr. Weber could choose to recuse himself for ethical reasons if he saw fit. At the end of that meeting, the mayor, Councilmember Vienna, and Councilmember Weber voted together to initiate a municipal code text amendment to codify or change the current grading limits, which leads us up to where we are today. So at the end of the day, why does this matter? Obviously, this is an important issue that impacts residents who live in Via Verde and especially in SP11 area, which is the Via Verde Ridge HOA. But this issue, I believe, ought to matter to folks all over San Dimas. There are a couple implications that were brought up in my discussions with uh, Mr. Enderley and Mr. Dick Majin, And some of those included The idea that, you know, if one homeowner can make this type of request to the city council and say, hey, I think that the zoning should be changed in my area for such and such reason, uh, then that could extend to any area of the city where one homeowner in a certain area might say, hey, I'd like to change the zoning in my area. And the city would just, I guess, be able to do that at The whim of um, any person. The HOA members I spoke to also uh, expressed concerns about the implications for how this decision might impact other HOAs. uh, If the city shows uh, sort of a disregard for the HOA's regulations here and create, like the attorney said, an adversarial relationship among the city, the HOA, and residents. Uh, what's to say that other HOAs, rules, and regulations wouldn't be respected by the city as well? So there are concerns there. And lastly, uh, as Mr. Enderley explained to me, that this specific Plan 11 was created for a reason. Uh, it was a citywide discussion and essentially compromise to come up with the best resolution for all parties involved. And if this specific plan can be essentially undone, uh, then that would apply to all other specific plans in the city that have to do with, um, say, you know, in downtown historic neighborhoods or in other parts of the city, maybe uh, specific plans, I don't know, where the other specific plans are, but if there are other hillside areas that um, have protections in place. So uh, essentially, if the city decides to do it here with SP-11, what's to say they wouldn't do it elsewhere? And now I'm going to turn it over to my husband, Phil. You haven't heard from him for a while, but as many of you know, he grew up here in San Dimas and he would like to share his two cents. Hey, Phil.
1: Hey Isabel and hey everyone, glad to be back with my two cents. And today I do have two different things that I want to talk about regarding this issue that... Uh, might be important to you. The first is just um, this idea of protecting the foothills. I myself um, love the views and the look of our hillsides. You look out and it's mostly green or brown during the summer hillsides uh, that are beautiful and it's not overdeveloped. There's not too much overcrowding, huge buildings, huge tracts of land that have been dug out from our hillsides, both in Via Verde, but also and around Benelli, but also to the north of the city in the San Gabriel Mountains. And that's because of a very specific reason, and that's that the city has fought over development. They have put in rules and uh policies to prevent that kind of thing from happening to the city. And my dad on the city council has always been a big proponent of protecting the foothills. And so I've heard this over and over throughout my life. Um, but people who are new here to the city just moved in. And when you look out over the mountains in, in Via Verde or in the foothills and see how beautiful it is and how uh, you're not seeing big buildings and things like that, uh, I just want to, you know, remind people that that's it's for a reason, and our city for decades now has fought to prevent that kind of grading and overbuilding. So I think changing the rule here for a single developer or household sets a bad precedent moving forward because if the city is going to change the rules to have unlimited grading or some percentage of grading, what's going to prevent them from doing that for the next person who wants to change the grading issue or any other issue for that matter? Um, So I think um, personally, that's a very important one. The other one that I've heard people start to talk about is... The issue with multi-family housing and higher-density housing that could potentially go in places like Via Verde if more grading was possible. Uh, Now, with new laws in California where pretty much anyone can build an ADU, which is like an accessory dwelling unit, just a second unit in their backyard without the city being able to stop them from doing that anywhere in the state and anywhere in the city. Uh, You can imagine that if developers got a hold of households in Via Verde and wanted to put two or more housing units on it, why wouldn't they? It's a beautiful place. They can probably make a pretty penny from two units rather than uh, just one. And so I think that's my fear is that multifamily or higher density housing could potentially start to go in in places that it just doesn't fit. And I think a lot of people in the city would agree with me that Via Verde and in the foothills isn't really the place you want to put And cram a bunch of uh, houses or uh, depending on the laws coming down the pipeline from California, you know, it could be three, four units, maybe, you know, higher than two stories. You just never know what's going to happen in the next five, 10 years or sooner. And so it's a slippery slope to allow unlimited grading or any other additional grading because that might lead to Higher density um, in Via Verde and other places around the city where I don't think many people want it. And one really quick last point so sorry, I think I have three points um, is I think people might listen to this episode and say, well, the HOA already has more restrictive rules. So why does it matter if the city changes their rules? And I think the issue is that uh, there are different HOAs all over the city for different parts of Via Verde, for the foothills, and those HOAs, might be able to change their rules a little bit more fluidly than something like the city. So I think it's best practice for the city itself to have sort of an an overall vision for what they want the city to look like, rather than having all the different HOAs around the city have less restrictive rules that would basically create a patchwork of different types of hillsides with some where it's completely torn apart and others where it's nice and pristine like it currently is. And so I do think that it is important for the city to not just say, well, since the HOA is more restrictive, then we're just gonna change the rules right now anyways, uh, because I think, again, it sets a bad precedent for the future. So hopefully this gives you a little bit of a bigger picture view that maybe you didn't think about before. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: Thanks, Phil. All right. Well, that concludes uh, today's topic of discussion. I actually have a lot of questions uh, for this episode uh, because I think it's important and I genuinely want to know what you think. Do you live in Via Verde? How might this issue impact you? What are your opinions on the matter? Are you for more grading or are you for continuing to limit the grading as is to preserve the aesthetics of the area? Are you an HOA member somewhere else in the city? Do you think the city's decision on this matter could eventually impact your HOA? Are you concerned about that? Are you not? I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on this. Feel free to keep the conversation going at isabelandsandimas.com grading. Lastly, a couple updates that I want you to be aware of. There are some fun Halloween activities coming up through the city. I'm not going to say all the details in here, but just know that the city is hosting a Halloween spooktacular event that involves pumpkin carving, costumes, drive-ins. So if you're interested, uh, I will link to the city's Facebook page and flyers on my website. Also, the Stanley Plummer Building has now been officially declared the Vote Center in San Dimas. You can vote as early as October 24th, so start getting ready, all the way up until November 2nd, and the Vote Center will be open from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. daily, and on Election Day, November 3rd, from 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. Vote, vote, vote. All right. And before I go, I just want to share one personal tidbit. It has nothing to do with this episode. I don't know if you noticed, but typically I try to tie in my personal tidbit somehow, but, uh, there's nothing I could think of to tie in. So, uh, my personal tidbit that I want to share is that, uh, ever since, uh, Phil and I had our kids, uh, we have tried pretty religiously to go on a date every week, uh, there were some times, obviously, that we couldn't, and that was really challenging when I was pregnant and uh, we had the twins most recently. But other than those few times, uh, we've pretty much gone on dates every week. And even during the pandemic, um, it's been challenging because we don't go out to restaurants or anything. We don't have childcare, So we've been doing stay-at-home dates that include ordering something special in, watching a movie, playing games, Uh, So, yeah, that's my personal tidbit for the week. Thanks for joining me today. I am Isabel and Sandemus, And before I go, I would love for you to connect with me and shoot me an email at isabelinsandimas at gmail.com. And let me know what creative date night ideas you have, uh, because we are running out of ideas. I'd love to get some of yours. And if uh, I get a really good one, I might share it in my next episode. As always, you can find me at isabelandsandimus.com. Feel free to reach out. I love hearing from you and I look forward to chatting with you next time. Thanks. Bye-bye.